This is the Mystery History Podcast. Um, this is going to be a little bit different today. It's just going to be me. Um, Allison isn't able to record, so it's just going to be a solo episode. Um, and we're going to talk about parasomnia, which is pretty interesting. But before we get to that, um, we got some news we want to talk about. Just uh, We hit 3.9 thousand downloads, which is pretty exciting. Almost at 4K. Um, we had some other podcasts um, I wanted to shout out. Uh, there's Forensic Miles, which is a true crime podcast, which is an audio companion for Forensic Files, which is pretty awesome. And they also have their own brand of, uh, they have uh, like tote bags and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. They have some really, really cool stuff over there, so go check them out. Um, and then we have Dead Academy Podcast, um, Crime in Closets, which is two moms hiding in their closets, drinking wine and talking about crime. So what's not to love? And then our friends over at The Late Night Slice. So go check all of them out. Um, also want to talk about our website, which is mysteryhistorypodcast.com. And over there we have our episode catalog, so everything we've ever done. Um, we have clothing, shirts, hoodies, anything you can think of, phone cases, pillows, all that kind of stuff. Um, we also have a link to our Patreon page which has three tiers, and you can get to that, like I said, from the website or just from patreon.com slash mysterystreetpodcast. And on the web, our website also, there is a link to, you can send us an audio message so we can play it on the show, which is pretty cool. Or you can also just do that on Instagram, uh, which is just mysterystreetpodcast again. And yeah, you can send us an audio message, a video message, and we'd love to get some of those and play them on the show so we can interact with you guys a little bit more. All right, I think that is it for the business stuff, and this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode just because there's nobody to conversate with, so it's just going to be me kind of talking and rambling, so might be on the shorter side, but that's all right. So we're going to talk about parasomnia, and here's a quick definition um, parasomnias are a group of sleep disorders that involve unwanted events or experiences that occur while you are falling asleep, sleeping or waking up. Parasomnias may include abnormal movements, behaviors, emotions, perceptions, or dreams. Although the behaviors may be complex and appear purposeful to others, you remain asleep during the event and often have no memory that it occurred. If you have parasomnia, you may find it hard to sleep through the night. So, the first... One of these is a nightmare. Um, here's a definition of what a nightmare is from the McGraw-Hill Concise Dictionary of Modern Medicine, which sounds pretty official. They say it is a dream anxiety attack occurring during REM sleep, accompanied by autonomic nervous system hyperactivity. Onset begins in childhood, usually before the age of 10, and is more common in girls. It is often seen as normal in childhood unless they interfere with sleep um, development or psychosocial development. Nightmares in adulthood are often associated with outside stressor, stressors that coincide with another mental disorder. Nightmares usually occurring during REM sleep and include unpleasant and frightening dreams that are most common in the early morning and may follow frightening movies slash TV shows or emotional situations, but may be associated with psychological disturbances or severe stress, especially in adults, um, and there's no treatment per se. Uh, 
Um, it is also called sleep terror disorder, which is pretty scary sounding. Worse than nightmare, I think. Um, it says, normally people dream more than two hours a night, and a nightmare usually happens in the later hours of REM sleep or rapid eye movement. The dreamer often awakens from a nightmare with a good recollection of the imagery and content. Some researchers call negative dreams threat rehearsals, where we rehearse the possible threats we encounter in real life, which is an interesting take. I never really thought of it like that. Um, other researchers say that people are working through upsetting events of that day. Um, most garden variety nightmares are stress related. However, if nightmares become more frequent, uh, to the point of dysfunction, the individual may be suffering from nightmare disorder, formerly known as dream anxiety disorder. Um, nightmares are more prevalent among girls than boys with occurrences starting before age 10. Children and adolescents tend to suffer more, um, and they're less frequent among adults. About half the adult population experiences nightmares on occasion. Which I'm trying to think of the last time I had a nightmare. It's been a long time. But let us know in the comments what kind of nightmares you have. Um, the body cycles through different stages of sleep, from light sleep to deep sleep, um, which is also known as REM sleep, as we talked about. REM sleep happens through the signals from the pons, which is located at the base of the brain. This is, in fact, where the signals for REM sleep originate and where signals to the spinal cord shut off. This is why the body doesn't move during sleep. But if the pons does not shut down these signals, um, the individual may act out the dream physically, known as REM sleep behavior disorder. If the individual is running in the nightmare, for example, they will start running it literally in their bed, which would be terrifying to be next to. <laughs> Here are some signs and symptoms. Um, repeated occurrences of extended, extremely dis dysorphic and well-remembered dreams that usually involve efforts to avoid threats uh, to survival, security, or physical integrity, and that generally occur during the second half of the major sleep episode. On awakening from the dysorphic dreams, the individual, rap individual rapidly becomes oriented and alert. The sleep disturbance causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. Yeah, actually, if you can't sleep, you're gonna, it's going to affect your life. Coexisting mental and medical disorders do not adequately explain the predominant complaint of dysorphic dreams, however. Anxiety and stress are major causes of nightmares, which is no surprise. I know it doesn't necessarily cause me to have nightmares, but I know it definitely affects my sleep if I'm anxious or have a lot of stress going on. Um, trauma or upsetting events such as the death of a loved one can bring on nightmares. Other causes include a fluctuating sleep schedule, sleep deprivation, jet lag, illness, and fever, um, side effects of a medication or drug. And on the other side of that, drug withdrawal, such as withdrawal to sleeping pills, can be a big factor. Um, alcohol consumption, and again, alcohol withdrawal. Difficulty breathing during sleep, such as sleep apnea, which is something I never would have associated with having nightmares. That's kind of interesting. Um, sleep disorders such as narcolepsy or sleep terror disorder, a.k.a. night terrors. So, on that note, let's talk about night terrors. So, night terrors, or they're also known as sleep terrors, which I've never heard of sleep terror, which is, it's, I don't know, that sounds kind of weird. But night terrors are episodes of screaming, intense fear, and flailing while still asleep. 
also known as night terrors. Sleep terrors are are paired with uh, sleepwalking. Like sleepwalking, sleep terrors are considered a parasomnia, an undesired occurrence during sleep. A sleep terror usually lasts um, from a few seconds to a few minutes, but some episodes may last longer. Sleep terrors affect almost 40% of children and a much smaller percentage of adults. However frightening, sleep terrors aren't usually a cause for concern. Most children outgrow sleep terrors by their teenage years. Sleep terrors differ from nightmares. Um, The dreamer of a nightmare wakes up from the dream and may remember details, but the person who has a sleep terror, um, they remain asleep. So... um, Children usually don't remember anything about their sleep terrors in the morning. Adults may recall a dream fragment they had during the sleep terror. Sleep terrors generally occur in the first thir- third to first half of the night and rarely occur during naps. A sleep terror may lead to sleepwalking. During a sleep terror episode, a person may begin um, screaming or shouting out loud, which would be terrifying. Um, They may sit up in bed and appear frightened, um, stare wide-eyed, sweat, breathe heavily, and have a racing pulse, a flushed face, and dilated pupils. They may kick and thrash, may be hard to awaken and be confused if awakened, be inconsolable, have little to no memory of the event the next morning, possibly get out of bed and run around the house and have aggressive behavior if blocked or strained. That's like a horror movie right there. Sleep terrors are classified as a parasomnia. Um, sleep terrors are a disorder of arousal, meaning they occur during N3 sleep, the deepest stage of non-eye rapid movement sleep. Another NREM disorder is sleepwalking, which can occur while you're having a sleep terror, which is I never even realized you could have a, a night terror and sleepwalk. That's like a double whammy. That's, that'd be terrifying. Especially if you were, had like your spouse in bed with you and they just got up and started, I don't know, that'd be, ooh, wake up in the middle of the night to them run around the house being wild. No thanks. Various factors can contribute to sleep terror, such as sleep deprivation and extreme tiredness, which is kind of a running theme throughout all of these, which is, I never realized, I don't know if your body's trying to catch up on sleep, so it falls into deep sleep faster, which is why the tiredness would come into play. But it's kind of weird that being really tired causes your body to have these adverse effects to sleep. That's kind of interesting. Um, another factor can be stress, um, sleep schedule disruptions, travel or sleep interruptions, fever. Um, sleep terrors can sometimes be triggered by underlying conditions that interfere with sleep, such as uh, sleep disordered breathing, a group of disorders that include abnormal breathing patterns during sleep. Um, again, that's like sleep apnea. Restless leg syndrome, which is another interesting, I wonder why, just because your legs are moving during sleep, it probably doesn't allow you to get into deep sleep. Um, Some medications can cause you to have sleep terrors. Uh, Mood disorders such as depression and anxiety, and in adults, alcohol can cause these to happen, which is strange. You know, you think, you always think whenever you I don't know if you drink too much, you're just going to pass out. But if you have a little bit, I guess it can cause uh, night terrors, which is interesting. Never thought about that. So the next one on the list is sleep paralysis. Um, Sleep paralysis is a feeling of being conscious but unable to move. 
It occurs when a person passes between the stages of wakefulness and sleep. During these transitions, you may be able to move or speak for a few seconds and up to a few minutes. Some people may also feel pressure or a sense of choking. Sleep paralysis may accompany other sleep disorders such as narcolepsy. Uh, narcolepsy is an overpowering need to sleep caused by a problem with the brain's ability to regulate sleep. Um, sleep paralysis usually occurs at one of two times. If it occurs while you are falling asleep, it is called, oh, bear with me on these, hypnogogic or pre-dormital sleep paralysis. If it occurs when you're waking up, it is called hypnopompic or post-dormital sleep paralysis. So the first one, hypnogogic sleep paralysis. I'm probably butchering these. I apologize. Um, hypnogogic sleep paralysis occurs as you fall asleep and your body slowly re relaxes. Usually you become less aware, so you do not notice the change. However, if you remain or become aware while falling asleep, you may notice that you cannot move or speak. Hypnopompic sleep paralysis occurs um, when your body alternates between REM sleep and non-REM sleep. Uh, one cycle of REM and non-REM lasts about 90 minutes. Non-REM sleep um, occurs first and takes up to 75% of your overall sleep time. During non-REM sleep, your body relaxes and restores itself. At the end of non-REM sleep, your sleep shifts to REM and your eyes move quickly and dreams occur. The, but the rest of your body remains very relaxed. Your muscles are turned off, quote-unquote, during REM sleep. And if you become aware of the REM cycle is finished, you may notice you cannot move or speak. Um, up to as many as four out of every ten people may have sleep paralysis. This common condition is often noticed in the teen years, but men and women, um, many men and women age out of it. Sleep paralysis is also a hereditary trait, which is something I never realized. Um, yeah, it may run in families, which is, I don't know, if you've had sleep paralysis, talk to your family. Maybe that's a, talk to your grandma. Ask her if she's been sleep paralysis it up. Uh, many people report seeing hallucinations during sleep paralysis. Hallucinations and paralysis are caused by disrupted a disrupted boundary between the dream, sleep, and wakefulness. Rather than gradually reaching REM sleep at the time of the end of a sleep cycle, a person with narcolepsy can enter REM sleep immediately, which is wild. Um, this means the dreaming and muscle paralysis of REM will occur directly from a waking state, like sleepiness. These symptoms can sometimes be seen in those without narcolepsy. There are a couple different categories of hallucinations. Um, the first is visual the visual experience can be quite profound. Many people report seeing a presence of a human figure, often described as being a dark figure, shadow, or ghost. The figure may be standing at the bedside, just at the periphery of your vision, and some people report seeing multiple people in the room. And so I've also read stories of people seeing something at the end of their bed, which is just about the most terrifying thing you could wake up to, I think. Um, others report seeing that they see flashes, bright colors, or lights. Sometimes the visual hallucination can be quite elaborate. For example, some people have recorded seeing a disembodied hand, a gargoyle, or bugs, um, which is insane. It's crazy what your mind will do. Um, in other cases, the visions are vague and described as blurry or shimmering or simply as having seeing some things in the room floating, which would still... 
be pretty scary. I have some right here. I had a little article that discussed some freaky occurrences. Let's see here. So this person, this I couldn't even imagine this happening. Um, just the title of it says, my dead cousin was in my bed. So already, not a good start. So this, um, he's a kid in his early 20s, and he basically said he used to have mild hallucinations when he was coming out of sleep, which is interesting, because usually you think of it whenever you're falling asleep. But this also might be the worst paragraph I've ever read in my life, and I swear this is word for word. This is how it goes. So I hung a jacket from the hood of a closet door on the way in front of me the night before, and when I woke, I saw a woman standing there with a jacket on and her back turned. That first sentence is like, who wrote this? <laughs> I hung a jacket from the hood of a closet door on the way in front of me the night before. <laughs> Whoa, I don't know why that sounds, maybe that's just me. That sounds not right. Anyway, um, then he goes on to say, that he felt someone was sleeping next to him. And as you know, if you have sleep paralysis or have ever had it, you can't move. So he was looking out the side of his eye, just out of his peripheral vision. And he saw his, some of them was moving. And it finally got high enough on the bed where he could see who it was. And it was his cousin who had died the year before, which would, I don't even know what I would feel. That would be the most terrifying feeling. But man, yeah, that's, there's a couple more in here. Like this guy saw the Grim Reaper, which I mean, that's pretty, pretty standard stuff, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's just, I've, I've never heard of the, um, seeing a dead relative. That'd be terrifying. They, there's also a thing called the old hag, which, um, it's something, it's like a folklore thing, but it's directly tied to. Sleep paralysis, which is like if you, it's something, it's in the corner of the room, and then it comes and it sits on your chest, and then it makes it hard to breathe, which is terrifying. It's already, you're already having anxiety because you can't move, and now something's, it's, I think it's just the, the whole anxiety of it makes it hard to breathe because you're freaking out, so you kind of envision something being on your chest, which makes it harder even then to breathe, so it's kind of goes hand in hand, but it still would be having that hallucination while you are experiencing that would be compound it exponentially. That's no thanks. So the next one is auditory hallucinations. Um, Similarly, the experience of auditory hallucinations and sleep paralysis can range from routine to the bizarre. Many people hear various noises and it is common for people to hear voices. The language used might seem foreign, and there may be the perception of whispering, screaming, and laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and hearing like a kid laugh when you don't have kids? Nope. You got to move, I think, is the only way to fix that. Um, nearly as often, a loud buzzing or static noise is reported, much like the sound of a radio that is on but is not turned to a station. Some people hear breathing, footsteps, knocking, or a ringing sound. Um, even unusual sounds like a horse carriage or growling may be perceived. Sometimes the sound heard during sleep paralysis are nonspecific, uh, difficult to characterize or not well remembered. Uh, 
I think if you're hearing shit, you're going to remember it. This is how I feel about it. Oof. That makes me like, gives me the chills. Just thinking about laying in bed and you hear a growl or somebody laughing. Like if you live alone. Nope. I live alone. So it's like, if I heard somebody laughing. Nope. Mm-mm. Got to move. That's the only way. The next one is tactile hallucinations. Uh, one of the most often reported phenomena of sleep paralysis is tactile hallucination. Uh, the experience of being touched when you are not. Uh, many people describe feeling a pressure or contact often sensed as if something or someone is holding them down. So this is almost what I was speaking of earlier. Just something touching you, which, yeah, no thanks. Some people describe sleep paralysis as a tingling, numbness, or a vibrating sensation. Others describe a sense of floating, flying, or falling. A few people reported feeling chilled or freezing. Less frequently, there have been, or there may even be a sense that you are being physically moved or dragged from your bed. What? Nuh-uh. No way. Mm-mm. I don't like it. Some people report sexual contact, including physical sensations involving the genitalia. hey Other physical experiences have been reported as well, including a sense of being bitten, bugs crawling on the skin, breathing in the ear, or an uncontrolled feeling of smiling. Whoa. That would be creepy, just smiling and you can't stop smiling. <laughs> I never thought smiling would be creepy, but nope. No thanks for that. And the last one is olfactory hallucinations, um, and that's your sense of smell. So the least common hallucination in sleep paralysis is of the olfactory nature. Um, as of the other types of hallucinations, you could imagine a range of possibilities. Um, so just people smell a lot of different stuff, but that's there's a lot less information on that because, as I said, it's the least common. But just smelling anything, like I'm sure people have smelled like smoke. That'd be terrifying, like your house is on fire. Uh-uh. This, the whole hallucination thing is just, I'm good on that. All right. So this next one I actually heard about a while ago from the Stuff You Should Know podcast. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but that is a fantastic podcast. Just They talk about everything from, I can't even think of a range that's so broad. They just talk about everything, but it's super interesting. So it's called exploding head syndrome, which sounds terrifying. Um, exploding head syndrome is a condition that happens during your sleep. The most common system or symptom includes hearing a loud noise as you fall asleep or when you wake up. Despite its scary-sounding name, exploding head syndrome isn't usually a serious health problem. Um, so here are the symptoms. If you have exploding head syndrome, you'll hear a loud explosion like noises um, as you're drifting off to sleep or around when you're waking up. The former is a type of hypnagogic hallucination, and the latter is a type of hypnopompic hallucination, which we talked about earlier. Although they're only hallucinations which are imagined, the noises and exploding head syndrome feel real. Um, they feel very realistic at the time they occur. I've actually had this happen to me, which is weird. It sounds like a, well, mine at least, sounded like a gunshot. And you just, it makes you like sit up in bed, and you're like, what in the fuck was that? And then, yeah, you like, I don't know. You kind of know it's not real, but you're also, it sounds so real, but in your head, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it sounds dumb when I describe it, but it's like, you know, it wasn't real, but it sounds so real that it's like frightening. 
The noises, yeah, this is what these noises noises may jolt you awake uh, and keep you from falling back asleep. It may happen to you only once or may have recurring experiences. The loud noise typically only happens when you're going between sleep stages and usually goes away once you're awake. Some people also report seeing flashes of light along with the loud noises, and other symptoms may include elevated heart rate, sense of fear, distress, um, and muscle twitches. So yeah, I've only had this once. And it was, yeah, like I said, it's very strange. Like, you know, it's not, you can almost tell it's not a real noise in the world, but it's still real enough to where you're like, it puts you on edge. Um, so some of the causes of exploding head syndrome um, aren't fully understood. Some researchers, researchers believe it's a neurological issue, while others think it's related to clinical fear and anxiety. Um, it could be uh, related to the components of your middle ear shifting during the night. People with high stress levels or a history of other sleep interruptions seem to be at higher risk of having exploding head syndrome. While doctors used to think it was more common in older adults and women, newer researchers uh, research suggests it's fairly um, common in college students as well, which would go hand in hand with the anxiety. I mean, college students are under a lot of stress. So yeah, anytime you have high levels of stress, it seems to affect your sleep, which is not surprising, but it's interesting that it does so in such crazy manners. Like it can cause you to sleepwalk and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty wild. So speaking of sleepwalking, let's talk about it. Um, The clinical word for sleepwalking is, an. I'm going to butcher this one too, some some num <laughs> some nombalism, I think is how it's said. Some something like that. I'm a doctor. Don't search that. Um, sleepwalking, also known as some it involves getting up and walking around while in a state of sleep. It is more common in children than adults. Um, sleepwalking is usually outgrown by the teen years. Um, isolated incidents of sleep, sleepwalking often don't signal in a, any serious problems or require treatment. However, recurrent sleepwalking may suggest an underlying sleep disorder. Sleepwalking in adults has a higher chance of um, being confused or coexisting with other sleep disorders, as well as medical conditions. Um, sleepwalking usually occurs early in the night, often one to two hours after falling asleep. It is unlikely to occur during naps. A sleepwalking episode can occur rarely or often, and an episode generally lasts several minutes but can last longer. Someone who is sleepwalking may get out of bed and walk around, sit up in bed and open their eyes, have a glazed, glassy-eyed expression, not respond or communicate with others, be difficult to wake up during an episode, be disoriented or confused for a short time after being awakened, not remembering the episode in the morning, having problems functioning during the day because of disturbed sleep, have sleep terrors in addition to sleepwalking. Um, sometimes a person who is sleepwalking will do routine activities such as getting dressed, talking, or eating, leave the house, drive a car, which what? That's insane. Engage in unusual activities such as urinating in a closet. I, my stepbrother actually did that. He peed in a uh, in a drawer. So that's neat. <laughs> Engage in sexual activity without awareness. Get injured, for example, by falling down the stairs or jumping out a window. I actually know 
I don't know him, but a comedian named Mike Birbiglia um, did this. He's a, he's a comedian, so he was in a hotel, and he walked out of a window, which is insane. That's so crazy. And they may become violent for a period of brief confusion immediately after waking or occasionally during sleepwalking. Sleepwalking is classified as a parasomnia. Um, sleepwalking is a, is a disorder of arousal occurring or meaning it occurs during the N3 uh, sleep, the deepest stage of non-eye rapid movement, as we talked about. Uh, many factors can contribute to sleepwalking, including sleep deprivation, stress, fever, sleep uh, schedule disruptions. Basically, all these have the same uh, causes. What causes it? That's basically they're all within the same realm, at least stress, anxiety, sleep deprivation, all that kind of stuff. Um, sleepwalking can sometimes be triggered by underlying conditions that interfere with sleep, such as sleep disordered breathing, as we talked about, sleep apnea, um, taking certain medications such as hypnotics, sedatives, or even medications used for psychiatric disorders, substance use such as alcohol, restless leg syndrome, and, and even acid reflux can cause this, which is really interesting. That's what I was just thinking about. Substance use such as alcohol, it says. Uh, could you imagine being a drunk sleepwalking person? <laughs> you can barely walk when you're drunk and awake and you're just walking around sleeping and drunk. Man, what a time. What a night that would be. I've actually slept walk twice in my life, at least twice I can remember. So one time I was probably 12 or 13 and I fell asleep in my bed and I used to be afraid of our basement because it's like one of those basements that it was finished so it wasn't like super creepy but it was very dark there's like no light even during the day it would be like pitch black so I think I was having a nightmare about the basement and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I was in the basement and man I was not happy <laughs> I was freaking out I don't think I ever ran up the stairs so fast and another time I was older I was like 16 or 17 I was laying on my dad's couch, and it was in the middle of the day, which is weird. It said they don't really happen during naps, but I was taking a nap, and somebody knocked on the door, and I woke up, and I was holding the door handle. I didn't open the door or anything, but I was like at the front door, so that was creepy. I didn't like that. So I guess I've had a lot of these, which I never really realized until I sat down and talked about them. So maybe <laughs> not good. But it's been a long time since I've had anything. I had sleep paralysis also. I don't know if I talked about that, but I think I talked about that in a previous episode. Just had the feeling like I was uh, just, yeah, you can't move. And then I there was something that opened my door. So I had an auditory one as well because I could hear hear it. And then it, it was like a black shadow, and it just like came and like hovered over me, and then I woke up real quick. And I was, don't think I slept the rest of the night. Not good. But, yeah, that's it for parasomnia. Let us know in the comments if you've had any any of these happen to you. I think that's super interesting, to me at least. Like It's just so interesting how your body and your brain sometimes aren't on the same page. Like if you're asleep and you're moving, like it's, I don't know, you're supposed to not be able to do that. But it's just sometimes there's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't click right. But it's, I don't know, very interesting to me. So, yeah, let us know if you've ever had any things, these things happen to you. Uh, leave us a comment or even a voice message, and we can talk about them on the next episode. 
But that is it. Sorry again, it's a shorter episode. I know it's not ideal without the the conversations, the best part, to me at least. Um, so hopefully this wasn't too hateful, just me talking at you for 30 minutes. But appreciate you listening, and uh, yeah, see you next week. Mm-hmm.